Welcome to another episode of Blue Spring Out Loud. Really excited today because I have some old friends and some phenomenal guests here with me. The three guests that we have are Jared White, who's here from Southbury, Connecticut, who heads up Compass Capital Management. We've got Roger David, who, who leads our, our firm, Reinveld and David in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Ann McCabe, Curo Private Wealth, which is in Northern Virginia. And all of them have been part of the Blue Springs Successor Academy at different levels. Anne's the newest entry, she just started. But uh, you guys just graduated a couple of years ago, from what I, if I yep, recall. Right. And I wanted to talk about the program. I wanted to talk about the Successor Academy, talk about what the, the takeaways, what you learned, what you do differently, what you do the same, and what might have changed the way you run your businesses. But before we do that, I thought it might be helpful to have each of you give a little bit of summary of, of your business, what's your business about, what's your experience been with the, the Successor Academy, and then just let's have a conversation about it so we can share it with other people. Sure. Jared, why don't you start? Yeah, so we are Compass Capital Management, Southbury, Connecticut. Uh, our practice mostly started with teachers. 403Bs back in 19, oh geez, 65. So we're over 50 years um, managing money there. And basically what happened was, was that my partner, Tom Perrin, his father-in-law started the practice and essentially went into a bunch of different cafeterias all around the state and sat and said, I am your 403B provider. When no one even knew what that was. And long story short, you know, 50 something years later that just grew and grew. And now Tom, who is the G1, is starting to figure out his transition, and I've been working with him to be able to make that as smooth as possible and participated in this program, so. And how big are you, how many employees, how are you staffed up? Okay, so we've got, right now we have five employees, um, and it's myself, uh, Tom, and then we have an insurance uh, agent as well. So really we're looking at seven people. And assets do you manage? Yeah, so right now it's about $730 million under management, and it's mostly, um, advisor discretionary money. So, you know, we were, we're managing it, the whole thing. And what I've always known from working with you is yours is a very different business. Not a lot of the Blue Spring firms are focused mm -hmm. on that 403B market. Uh, but what you've done is create this mass production firm that does a phenomenal job at relationship yeah. management, client service, providing value to a group of people who really need it yeah. in a very interesting way. Yeah, no, we were just having this conversation beforehand. Um, what's very interesting is, is that We've got a very large practice, but a really significant number of clients. And what's happened is, is there's this average client book, or, or client base of around $300,000. So you think to yourself, okay, well, 730 million, 300,000, that's a lot of clients. There is this underserved part of what I would call the clientele community, where advisors didn't necessarily want to work with these people um, for whatever reason, and they were finding that they were getting pushed to sales desks and robos and these package right. where they just wanted a human on the other end of the phone. And they were the, how we built the business, and so it's our sweet spot. And now, you know, it's, it's become very, very successful, and it's been a great experience working with them. We're going to come back to you and talk about how some of the techniques and ideas you, you got from the Successor Academy, sure. how you're able to apply them in your business. But now we're going to turn to our, our newest member, yeah. my newest business partner, Ann, uh, who came over not too long ago, but has already joined the Successor Academy and just finished her first session. And I thought it would be good to get perspective of someone who's just entering the program, but who was also, before entering the program, ran it, built a very successful business, merged with another practice, and now we're taking it to a whole new level. So Ann, yeah. not to steal your thunder, but I'd love to hear your story a little bit. <laughs> That's my story. I'm done. No. Um, so it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Um, so I've been in the industry and in the business for about 16 years, started with Ameriprise Financial, where I really got a nice um, foundation in financial planning. 
Um, and then I went to UBS, so I got more of the, the wirehouse experience and uh, went independent in 2010. So I've been independent for um, about 12 years now. And I guess around this time last year, um, I met the Blue Spring folks and uh, Stuart and Co. And we had a conversation about me selling my practice to Blue Spring. When we first had the discussions, it was funny, I was taken a, a bit off guard because I am not anywhere close to being ready to retire. And when I think about someone selling their practice, that's usually what comes to mind. But we were able to really talk about how bringing in resources and a corporate partner would enable me to just take my business to the next level. Um, it also happened to be that Blue Spring had a phenomenal practice they had acquired 20 minutes away from my office mm -hmm. without traffic, so you know, which <laughs> never which never happens in DC. Um, and so we met, and you know, Anne Marie, who runs that practice, we met and we hit it off. And there's so many similarities and so many synergies uh, and exciting things that we're working on. So for me, it was an opportunity to really take something that I had built pretty lean uh, and mean <laughs> with, with just at some points just me and a client service associate and, and other times a bit more staff but and really just take it to the next level so I'm, I'm very excited and I'm happy to talk more about the one session I've had with G2 so far but uh, looking forward to what we're going to do next. Well, I think it's great. The, the coincidence is that Anne-Marie, your business partner now, was in the, the Successor Academy with these two yep. knuckleheads, so <laughs> that, was all, that was all really good. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But uh, also, uh, you're coming together after ha having built a, a really successful practice on your own, now merging it with someone, going back to school, so to speak, yeah. is, uh, is something people say, wow, I thought I knew it all. Right. But that's why I turned to my old friend Roger, and I don't mean old in a bad way, <laughs> but to talk, because you were, uh, to me, a, a huge success story, because you already were successful when we, we acquired your business, but then going back to this program at sort of the mid-career level, I'm curious how, what that was like for you and what your, what your takeaways were. Yeah, when we talk about, well, with our, with our firm, we're in Grand Rapids. We manage a little bit north of $425 million. We're in the personal financial planning wealth management area. Our, our sweet spot has been you know, right around uh, $1.5 to $3 million, the clients that we serve, with a real focus on financial planning. So my business partner, Rob Reinvelt, and I had been working together for 25 years before he retired. And it was, it was, it was a great run. It was an absolute great run. Um, we have a lot of great clients, a lot of corporate executives, physicians, a pretty diverse clientele that we work with. But our focus has always been on financial planning. Uh, first and foremost, and the reputation that we have and the things that we've done that CPAs and attorneys won't necessarily do. Yeah. Uh, making sure that we're quarterback in the situation is really what's propelled us to the success that we've had uh, over the years and, and right now, as you well know. So it's been a great run. Um, we came to this point where Rob wanted to retire. We we're trying to figure out what succession was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, there was a lot of questions that we didn't have answered. And uh, Kestra Blue Spring came in and said, hey, I think we've got the answer. And for the last three years or four years now, um, it's been a great partnership. We've really enjoyed it. Uh, probably one of the greatest things is the independence that we've been able to keep mm -hmm. uh, as being part of that Blue Spring family. Uh, it's been key, nothing's changed. Our clients haven't really noticed too much change, which is kind of what we like. Yeah. They know who Blue Spring is now, but nothing has changed in how we run our business and how we take care of them. So that's really been our success story. So I'm going to throw back to you again, because I think that's great, and I've watched you done, do amazing things as your partner transitioned out, as you took the full reins instead of being a partner, and kind of took it to a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. But 
Going back to the Successor Academy, for you especially, who had a, number, a good, strong career of leadership and management, what was that like and what, what, what was your biggest takeaway? Or what, what, when you reflect back on it now that you've had a couple years, what do you, what do you think? Yeah, I think that, you know, when I started out, it was, you know, you, you eat what you kill, so to speak, right? You start out and somebody says, here's your desk, here's maybe a list here and go at it. I've said this to you a number of different times. I wish that they had a G2 Academy uh, when I was starting out. I think that even though we were successful, we would have been even more successful. Because the things that I learned after 25 years of in the business, that's when I started, 25 years going to G2, I'm thinking, what am I doing here? Wow. Do I have to do this? I don't need to do this thing. And we whined and cried about mm -hmm. it all the way, right? But the, the greatest thing was what I, what, what, we, what I came out of it, what came out of it, um, and what we were able to accomplish with what I've learned. And probably the biggest thing was, is that, hey, even at 25 years in the business, you can always learn something. Oh, yeah. And probably one of the greatest things was, is understanding the little details of actually running a firm. It's a lot more detailed than when you're a silo here and a silo here, and we're sharing expenses, you know, and you still have a successful practice, it's a lot different. And probably one of the greatest things that I learned was don't be worried to fail. Yeah. That's probably the, one of the greatest things I wish I would have learned 20 years ago. If it doesn't work right away, pivot, regroup, try something else, or try it again and do it better. That's probably the, one of the greatest things I got out of the G2 program after 25 years in the business. And just a quick question. How'd your employees feel every time you came home with a whole new set of marching orders? <laughs> well, I mean, it was, I mean, uh, actually when uh, Anne Marie was in the, uh, in the meeting, she goes, quit pounding on that, on that keyboard so loud. You take, what are you taking all these notes for? All those notes we came back, we implemented and absolutely transformed our practice. So if Rob had said, okay, I'm done, um, I'm retiring, he wasn't even out of the office yet, and we determined, all right, he's not gonna be part of the management mm -hmm. every day. So we got an opportunity then to say, all right, take what I've learned at G2, and let's start to transform this practice. Let's start to take a look at what we can do better and how uh -huh. we can improve on what we already have. And it was just absolutely amazing. We changed the culture, we changed the client experience, um, we changed, what we actually required of all of our team, and they embraced it. The things that I've learned and how to motivate them, right? Yeah. And how to help them yeah. without micromanaging was probably one of the greatest things that I learned. And I probably would have tried to micromanage if I hadn't been in G2. I probably would have. And then what they taught me and how not to do that made us grow exponentially and has just created an unbelievable firm now. And what's interesting is I know all of us started mm -hmm. out in the field working with clients, yeah. working directly with clients, and there's a difference between managing a client relationship and managing a business. And that was the reason that Blue Spring sort of launched the, the Successor Academy, is because A, we needed a lot more young, energized people to be leaders of what we're building around the country, which are these multi-billion dollar RIAs and wealth management firms. But well, What you that, just said yes. is exactly where I was going to jump in with this. So you had mentioned you were at Ameriprise, UBS, so I got my start at UBS. Mm -hmm. And what you learn how to be as a financial advisor, right. financial planner. You don't learn how to manage people. Mm -hmm. I didn't anyway. No, I didn't either. Yeah. You, and so right. what I got out of the G2 Academy more than anything was realizing you got the financial planning stuff. You're already done with that. Mm -hmm. that that's, that's already in the bag. Now you have to really understand how to manage people, yeah. how to go in and make sure that they're incentivized, as yeah. Roger was saying. But that they feel heard, mm -hmm. that they're a team, not your staff. That they're Just all of these little... You know, things that you think are so second nature mm -hmm. that I had no idea. You know, I would say to myself, you know, I need to spend more time doing X, Y, and Z as a manager today, as opposed to just trying to figure out how to create a better client experience. And that's what I got out of G2 more than anything. Yeah. 
I was going to piggyback on that. I mean, I think it's it's this massive transformation mm -hmm. from being a practitioner to being a real leader, right? right. And Great point. yeah, and I think that the one of the exciting things about that is as a practitioner, we can only help as many people as we can, right? We're mm -hmm. only one person and we can mm -hmm. only have so many clients and so many meetings in a week, but if we can properly motivate and incentivize the next generation of what the firm's going to look like and really build that team out, that means mm. that we can help that many more people, right? We can mm. help, we can work with that many more clients. So I think for me, you know, I definitely, if I ever say I know it all, just feel free to smack <laughs> yeah. me right yeah. on the face because exactly. I think that one of the beautiful things of, uh, in our industry is that you never know it all, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I call myself a student of our business and a student of our industry because there's always things to learn. And for me, I sort of fell into this industry. I was recruited right out of college. I became a mm -hmm. practitioner. I love, loved it um, and you know, did okay, but I never really, I don't have an MBA. I never mm -hmm. really learned how to run a business. And right. so I did it very intuitively, mm -hmm. which was okay, but having the opportunity to go back you know, 16 right. years and learn the things that I have already learned in one full session uh, would be, I think, just very impactful. And I, I wonder sometimes if I had learned some of these things back at the beginning, what my practice would actually look like today. You know, you never want to shoulda, coulda, woulda yourself to death, but sure. it's interesting to think about. Well, that's where you're going to get a lot of value. And yeah. what I've learned, and I think Stuart is going to be able to test this, you've met you meet one financial advisor and seen one practice, you've seen one practice. Right. Right. Everybody's different. Right. And then when you're independent, you end in your little bubble. Yeah. So you think that this is the way it's done. And then you meet Roger, and then you meet Anne-Marie, and then you meet Aaron, and then we meet each other. And you start realizing we have similar challenges. We look to attain the same levels of success in different ways. And we can really help each other by saying, here's what I tried. Yeah. And I find that it's created this almost encyclopedia where I think back to things that you've said or that I heard Philip say, or where, when you're in the office all day, you're not getting that interaction. Mm -hmm. You know, at a wirehouse, for instance, there's 40 other advisors there, 30 other advisors, so you're constantly spitballing ideas. But when you're independent, you're on your island. Yeah. And this was, that was the best part of the experience for me. I have to parlay off what Ann said, because it was a really good point. She said to tell her how to be a leader. You know, we've said manager, and I've even said that here. She's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it does. Because there's, there, there's management and then there's leadership. And it really helped figure out, hey, how to be a leader, right? There's a lot of different things that go into it. It's not just managing the office mm -hmm. and doing client employee reviews and all the stuff that goes with it. It's actually being a leader. There's a lot of little things that go along with that. So, I mean, that, that's absolutely a great point. It helps really become it's a almost, And what I'm hearing from all of you is this theme of working in the business versus working on the business right. and being a leader and hopefully the Successor Academy has helped you start to focus more on how can I work more on the business and yeah. when do I take time to step back and be a leader and really think about this strategically and about the long-term vision and picture and how do I get everybody buying in because you want the team to follow and be part of that. And if you're so. honest with yourself, you're gonna look at yourself when you come out of those meetings on the G2, you're gonna say, yeah, I do that and I do that incorrectly. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, you really have to get invested in this thing and say, look, I'm gonna be open to say, where are my shortcomings, right? I'm not perfect. And once you do that, then you're gonna have the takeaways and you'll, you'll build a much better firm. Oh. Now, the, but I'm gonna to come to you in a minute because I wanna get the first impressions because you literally had your first program two weeks ago, Two right? weeks ago, yeah. But before that, let's start with the, the finish in mind and, and I guess I'll, I'll turn mm -hmm. it to you, Jared, sure. and say, as you look back, did you end up making a lot of change? And I know there's a lot of work mm -hmm. to be done. I mean, there's case studies and situational analysis and study group and you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But when you look back on it, now that you're 
a year and a half beyond the program. Yeah. You spent those two years really working at the yeah, program in the sure. business. Radical changes, different changes. There are a lot of things you're doing differently. What do you look back and think we, about? Yeah, we created structure. So basically, when you're building a business, it's asset gathering. And it's, it's whatever's gonna work in the moment. You know, you're, you're, as Roger said, it's 25 years of experience of doing it. You do something wrong, you learn from it, and then you try to do it right. We didn't really have a structure. It was, I don't wanna say jack of all trades, but employees didn't have career paths. They didn't have necessarily um, incentives tied to their compensation. We, we, we just basically just did what worked for a million years, but not necessarily optimized it. And I think that with this program, it had you looking at it in, from a million different angles to say, what is the best way to be able to make employees feel that what I have today, there's growth potential, that if I work harder, I get to share in some of that success, and really listening to people to say, what do you like about your job? What don't you like about your job? And how can we get you on the path that you can you know, flourish here? And I don't think we really thought about that before the G2 program as much. It was, if you know, no news is good news. If nobody's complaining, everything must be yeah. great. Um, and I, and the reality is, is that when you're spending time to become a leader, I have to spend even more time doing this. And I know that and having these conversations makes me remember because it's so easy to get sucked into the next client meeting. Yeah. It's so easy to be focusing on numbers. <laughs> it's so easy to be focusing on whatever your agenda is that week. And you can put this stuff on the back burner real quick. So, you know, one of the things that I would say would be very helpful is to have even a G2, the next step where we have scheduled conversations, you yes. know, because right. it, it would be useful because, you know, we haven't really talked in, you know, let's say a year or, or whenever it was last time we, right. and we're going to share some war stories tonight. That'd be so helpful yeah. to remind you, here's what I learned. Am I implementing it to the best of my ability? And accountability, right? Yeah. Because if you, if, when you go through a program like this together, you know what you're, what you're trying to change. And as you said, we all get back to the office and mm -hmm. we're in the grind. And so to have that accountability, I think would be helpful. Make sure we're continuing to push the ball forward. Right. And you guys came out right in the middle of COVID. Not that we're trying to date this, yeah. this podcast, but here we are still sort of hopefully, hopefully near the tail end, yeah, although yeah. we do not know, yeah. but you're right not being able to get together, not being able to share best ideas and best practices, mm -hmm. not you know, those after hour meetings at the bar, really brainstorming on what worked and what didn't, what are the takeaways, make it a little harder. They're incredibly right. useful. Yeah. It, it really is. It's the most use I get when I come to Ascend every year. Breakout sessions, okay, you know, I, I know what annuities are and how to market and all that stuff. It's this. Yeah. It's the after hours, everybody's, you know, relaxing and really talking about what's going on in their practice and you're hearing things and all of a sudden it sparks an idea. Yeah. And that's that's what the human interaction of the G2 brought for me, but also just getting everybody back together after what we've been dealing with for the last year. Um, I'm gonna come away more from that and these experiences than anything else. So what about you? One session, two weeks in, Yeah. did you leave saying, what is all this work I just committed to? Or is this overwhelming? What do, what do you think? No, thankfully the expectation was pretty clear, both on your front and Philip and Anne-Marie mentioned to yes. me that it, it's going to be a time commitment. So that part wasn't surprising. Um, but I think for me, it goes back to what I said, the, the whole reason I was interested in the program to begin with. I'd like to approach the next phase of the merger and the next phase of our firm in a really strategic, well thought out way versus I think if I look back on you know the last 12 years of being an independent business owner, it's been much more by the seat of my pants. Um, so to have a more strategic approach, I'm really looking forward to. The networking has been phenomenal so far. So 
Philip is brilliant. He, I, I can't get enough of his stories and his wisdom. So that that's very helpful as well. Um, but really approaching this business as who do we need to have on the team? Like what seats on the bus? And to your point, what do we do well? What do we enjoy doing? And let's try to do as much of that as we possibly can. Yeah. And I think for me, having had a really lean team up until this point where I've had to do a lot of that, mm -hmm. it's really getting comfortable with delegation. It's getting comfortable with being self-aware of what I am really good at and what I should spend my time doing and what I suck at and yeah. I shouldn't spend my time yeah. doing. And guess what? We've all got things we're great at and things we suck at. And so let's stop doing the things we suck at That's and let word, other people do those. Word of the day you just says delegation. Yeah. Because if you are going to be a leader and a financial planner, you have to realize there's a certain amount of work that you should not be doing. Right. That is taking time away from being the leader. And you know, I've gotten better at that because of the G like I realize that you know my, I've got responsibilities, and I used to take the ball and run with it from start to finish. And now it's you have a team, you trust the team, and you have to be okay with the fact that it leaves your hands and it's going to come back finished, so that you can be able to free up your time for the leadership. Yeah, and that's one of the main things that I learned as well. And it's a difficult thing when you do like we've done. You start from scratch. You're independent. You're flying by the seat of your pants a lot of time, and you know we started out from ground zero, right? There was nothing there. And you're used to doing everything yourself. Probably one of the greatest things, though, that I learned coming out of G2 was really how to not necessarily motivate or get the right people in place and delegate it. I knew that I had to do that. That was probably one of my weakest parts of what I do is delegation. But then over a couple of years, really realized, all right, I know what I have to do now to make them better, yeah. right? To make my team better, yeah. right? I'm not just motivation, not just compensation, how do I make them better? How do I feel? How do I make them feel empowered to make decisions to do things on their own and go ahead and hey risk making a mistake? Yeah. I mean, one of the things I tell my team all the time is, hey, look, there isn't anything you can do in this office that's going to torpedo this firm, and we're going to be gone tomorrow. Nothing. Mm. So don't worry about it. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Take that risk. Right. It's in good faith. Yeah. Do it. I mean, yeah. just go ahead and do it. But the thing is, as a leader, man, it's just it, that's a skill that you kind of have to work on to be able to say, look, I'm going to go and try to make Jared better uh, or Ann better. How do I do that? And how hard is it to really segment time for that? You, it's know, really you know what I mean? Because it's very hard. hard. It's hard to do because yeah. you're in day to day, you're thinking, well, I got to get this done. Uh, but, you know, we did that for about six months and we stalled. And uh, I sat back and said, this is not working. Uh, you know, I'm still doing everything myself, and I got this whole staff that's sitting around looking at me. Yeah. Right? I got to figure so this out. you think a year and a half later, your people feel more empowered, more that they own certain functions in the firm, and they can really run, run further and harder with that? They absolutely do. For six months, we went through and looked at everything that we were doing, everything that we wanted to accomplish, what was our client experience about, what was the planning about, we said, here are the key things we need to accomplish. And then what we said is, who's going to take this on? Obviously, I know some of the things I'm going to take on, but then delegated those out and said, okay, let's figure this out and let's work on them. Sure. You come up with a strategy every time we have a strategic meeting in the office. Right. Tell me what you're thinking. So in our office now, even though certain people are assigned certain departments and certain things to do, we collaborate on everything. Yeah. Our strategic meeting is uh, two and a half hours long every Friday. It starts at 7 o'clock. Every, and, and everything, I'll tell you what, one thing I don't like to admit, right, yeah. is I've been told that I'm wrong plenty of times, and they were right. Uh, <laughs> that I was wrong, and we know, need to do it a different way. You know what? You just hit on something that I'm thinking about. 
giving them the power to tell you you're wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it is, it's very funny. Once I started transitioning into leadership, there was this feeling of I was wrong before, but now I'm whatever I say goes. And I'm not always right. It, it, you have to create an avenue for someone to feel comfortable. And I try to do my best where I'll go in and say, if there's a better way to do this, tell me. Because I, I don't know the best way, especially because I don't do your job every day. Right. So you come to me with the process. You tell me the best way to do it. And giving that power or that ability to be able to speak up, it, it, it matters. Yeah. And I think that if I, did, if I don't remind them of that, it's going to be constantly quiet. You know, it's, it's, is there something that can make your job better? Is there something that can make it more efficient? Is there something I can be doing to make things better? Yeah. And I think yeah. we realize this is a people business, and we always talk about that in relation to our clients, but we also have to realize our employees or our business partners are also people Absolutely. and want to be heard and want to weigh in and don't want to just punch a clock. They want to feel a sense of ownership yeah. and sharing in the success and the challenges. And so. it's hard sometimes. Yeah. It's hard because you have to turn it on with a client. Right? So you're having a bad day, whatever. You got an appointment in 10 minutes. You're gonna splash some cold water on your face and you're gonna turn it on, okay? But then after they leave, you can shut it back off. It's hard to keep turning it on. You know, now you gotta do it for the employees. Now, and so it's easy to let that go. You know, I've, I've come across a couple of times where I'll have somebody come almost like scared to knock on my door. Mm. And I'm like, am I that, you know? But I could tell just, I look up like, I'm you know, I have that I'm busy look. It's, it's true. Like, yeah, I have to. You are busy. I am busy. But, <laughs> We're all busy. But you, when you have that look, then it creates a, I don't like the beginning of having somebody knock on my door and be like, sorry to bother you, but you know, it's, it's a reminder that it's people. Yeah. And you have to, you have to put that time in. That's because, an excellent point. Yeah. Uh -huh. Excellent point. I don't know so. if you all do time blocking, but I found that, you know, time blocking, which is something I'm sure we've yeah. all heard of our <laughs> entire careers. And I think when I started in the business, we, we time blocked and that was where I first learned about it. But I've gotten back to being really disciplined about time blocking mm -hmm. so that I can carve out time to work on the business or carve out yeah. time to meet with, you know, meet with our team members. And then I have, you know, certain times where I'm going to meet with clients. Because I, I think if we don't carve out time, there's always more things to do in the business. There's always more clients to meet with. There's always more phone calls to respond to. So right. um, the other thing that I found really helpful in terms of having time to implement these sort of ideas is to take a day out of the office, a quarter, yeah. just put your out of office on, and I call it a think day. Mm -hmm. um, so I go out to the countryside of Virginia and I spend the entire day just working That's on cool. whatever ideas we've come up with through the quarter or things that I've learned at the you know Successor Academy in this case, and just really investing that time and, and creating it you know as a sacred meeting. Yeah. Like it's not a meeting I'm gonna cancel on myself even if something comes up, and that's been really helpful because otherwise we get busy and we don't have, you know, we don't have time to, to invest. Yeah, we promoted what do you think. So that's what we call it. So everybody's free to approach anybody and just say, what do you think? We've got some of our best ideas for client experience and things that we've done. Just somebody walk in the office, it comes to you, don't hesitate, right? Yeah. Come on in. And it, we, we call it the what do you think moment. So what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And Stuart's seen some of the things that we've done yes. for client experience. Some of the best ideas have just come from the team, not yeah. from me, from the team saying, what do you think? Mm -hmm. So we have all these great ideas, and I know we've got a limited time for, for, the, for this podcast, but I'm curious, especially from the two of you, and then we're going to talk, what, what was your biggest takeaway from the program? We might have already covered it, I don't know, but are there any other takeaways we haven't talked about? And maybe you have one from being there the first day, because there's a whole new path ahead of you, but any thoughts there? 
Yeah, I mean, the biggest takeaway, and, I, and I've already hit on it, but I'll, I'll reiterate, is that there isn't one way to do this. And you need to really listen to how other people are doing something because they might have a better solution. And that's what I got, you know, working with all, you know, all of you and working with the, the people that I came across through the program was, wow, I didn't think of it that way. You know, they do tons of different like client events and, and it makes my wheels turn. You know, yeah. what can we be doing? It's, it's different because our practices are different. There's a lot more clients. So we have to figure out how do we do that. But it's the reminder that you don't have all the answers yeah. and uh, you, you get some new answers from people that you get to meet in, that, in the program. So. And that Successor Academy, we've purposely set it up so it's more like a study group where yeah. Blue Spring has its own table. You get to know other firms that are at the same situation and building and share best practices and sure. ideas, which is yeah. how you two build the bond with Anne-Marie and how you're, you've now started with a whole new group with us. Yeah, so yeah, it's exactly. It's going to be fun. Yeah, so I think my biggest takeaway so far is, is to really approach running a business as a business. So I think for a lot of us who started off just as solar practitioners, you know, brand, brand new out of college, um, kind of trying to make it all work, we, at least in my experience, I never approached running my practice as an actual business. And I think with Philip's background in the ensemble practice, you know, who, who runs the Successor Academy, just getting access to, to intelligence around how different industries run businesses, I think is phenomenal. So we're not just in our yeah. little box of, of financial adv advisor companies or practices, but really what are the best practices of different companies around different industries and how can we take those and implement them into into what we do. So yeah. that's what You're I'm... Right, Anne, that makes sense. I think probably what, I mean, like I said before, it really helped to understand don't be afraid to fail. The other thing was you have to pay attention to the details. Right? So many of us that were single practitioners, you're just out there, I gotta make it happen. I, I can't look at anything else, I'm not worried about anything else, but just trying to get another client and make it happen. You gotta understand what the details are. But even more importantly, not just looking at the details, but what to expect from those details, right? What's your marketing plan gonna look like? Hey, and if it doesn't work, we'll expect that it might not work. And don't be discouraged and don't give up. That was right. probably the biggest thing, what to expect when you see certain things and all these details in running the practice, that was probably one of the greatest things that, that, uh, uh, that I took away from it. Because you expect, I'm gonna put this marketing program out, it's gonna be the best ever, and I'm gonna get 20 clients by the end of this thing. And it's all done. That doesn't happen. Yeah. Raj, the expectation's gotta be down here. And the expectation, the, rea the real expectation is, it, whatever that is, what that measure is, is probably more successful than you thought it was. That was probably the best thing that I took away from it. Do y'all think the business is changing now from, from when we all started wearing every hat Absolutely. in the firm? 100%. Absolutely. Um, business is changing. I've seen more changes since COVID than I ever saw you know, the 15 years previous, um, especially from a technology perspective. We were forced to go video. And I had certain clients that would refuse to sign paperwork via DocuSign. They wanted it, you know. <laughs> Everything was inefficient, and then all of a sudden, and we also too, we had this mentality where, you know, you look at the birthday and go, oh, she's 90, she's not going to want to do a Zoom. We're not even going to offer it, you know, because that wasn't a thing. 
And then all of a sudden this started going and now everybody, and so it's created efficiencies. You know, whatever meetings I had before that all had to be in person, I can do almost twice that many on Zoom. Yeah. Now, are they the best interactions? No, I like getting together in person, mm -hmm. but it has changed because the client expectation is different. Yeah. And so it, it, it creates opportunities because it does give you the ability to free up your time. So now I have the ability to let's, let's meet in your living room via Zoom, and then I'm gonna push a button and send the paperwork to your cell phone. <laughs> Two years ago, I didn't have any clients that really were jumping on board with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think one of the biggest changes and one of the reasons that I was so excited about the, the Blue Spring opportunity is the future and even the present really is in teams, right? We mm. cannot be the jack of all trades. Mm. Maybe we were the jack of all trades for many, many years and it worked okay. Mm. But moving forward, we have to have subject matter experts in our practices focusing on what they're really good at and we, we can't just do it all. So that's, I think, where not just the future, but where we are now. Clients expect to work with a team. They want to work with a team. Um, you know, I would get asked frequently, so Anne, what happens if, you know, something happens to you? Who's going to, yeah. you know, who's going to take care of me? And it was a fair question. And if I were in their seat, I would have asked the same question. And, you know, I had a buy-sell with another advisor and they would have been okay. But this is way more powerful to be able oh, to yeah. say, hey, something happens to me. You're, we're not skipping a beat, right? The rest of our team knows about your situation. They know about your goals. They know about your families. And you're going to continue to be taken care of. So that, to me, I think is something to, to consider, you know, for solar practitioners who are kind of still yeah. doing their thing. It may be fine, and you may be doing a great job, but there may be a better way. And that, I, I believe, is really you're in You're building teams. a farm and a team. I love that. Yeah. There's a lot more. I mean, we all know this. There's a lot more competition. There seems to be this race to zero. And probably one of the biggest things that I think we face is the challenge is what's your value add? What are you doing? And it's not just a matter of putting it down on a piece of paper, it's actually doing it. And then coming up with how we're gonna enhance it, how we're gonna improve it, how we're gonna get better. Because there's all kinds of competition out there and there's advisors out there that are not gonna provide the advice and the direction. Yeah. And you know what, the advocacy for clients. They're not gonna provide that. We need to provide that. Accountability. And we need to make sure, but we also need to make sure that we communicate that yeah. and people understand what we're bringing to the table. Yeah. It's not a oh, robo-advisor. Yeah. It's not investment advice. It's not asset allocation. You're their advocate. That's probably one of the biggest things that I took away. Yeah. I can't remember who said it um, at G2, but it was said to me, and it's actually part of our introductory presentation to clients. We want to be your advocate. Yeah. Because one of the biggest things that bothers clients or really keeps them up at night is if they're retired, Mm -hmm. That's one of the biggest things. They're looking around, I'm on my own now. Who's here to help me? Yeah. I really, I made some decisions on my own, but my yeah. employer provided those decisions. That's our job, yeah. right? And where we add the values in that advocacy and being there yeah. that they're not alone. And that's probably one of the biggest things is to do it, to implement it on a consistent basis, but then also communicate it. Here's, and communicate it to people who are looking as that's well. That's awesome. Here's the big one in, you had my, you know, I'm thinking the whole time you're saying that, is accountability. You know, I was having this conversation with Stuart, and I'm not gonna name the airline, but the six hour hold that I had yeah. um, for their screw up, that's not our business. You know, a yeah. client calls, they're gonna get the same person. They're not gonna get bounced all over a queue. They're gonna have a relationship with that person in money, in investments, and financial planning is emotional. So don't get it twisted. It is an emotional experience, and a robot is not gonna be able to give you that same feeling of accountability, the bedside manner. Those little things are why the clients keep coming back. So, yeah. very interesting. And with change, and one of the things I think about with change is one of the main reasons we rolled out the Successor Academy at Blue Spring is that we 
as an industry, have done a terrible job of attracting that next generation of leaders, like, like all of you. In fact, if you look at the data, I think less than 11% of the industry is under 40. In an industry where we get paid a lot of money to help people solve problems and do the right thing. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping, we, and, and what we've already seen with the Successor Academy, because we've had it going now for four years, even before we started Bluespring, we did it with our legacy firms, is that we're actually inspiring the leaders of the future and we're, we, we're reinventing the business and we're reinventing how we're doing things and people are starting to think, we're gonna run a firm, we're gonna have to be progressive as everything continues to change. COVID was a curveball, we're gonna have a lot more curveballs, but it's leaders like you who are gonna make all the difference. So we are very grateful and excited about this. I think the blue screen, if I, if I may, I know it's not part of the questions or anything, but I, I mean, we got an opportunity to sit down and talk to the team at Blue Spring just recently. And the, the approach that Blue Spring has taken, I'll be honest with you, when we got acquired by Blue Spring, it said, well, I ain't going to be Ryan Val and David for very much long. It's going to be Blue Spring Wealth Partners. Yeah. But we were able to see the program that you guys just unveiled yeah. and saw that it was the, uh, the independent spirit, I think, that you have actually on the website. That's something that's not out there. And that's what clients are looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. right? Are you part of a big firm? Are you just gonna put me in what everybody else yeah. is in? I wanna know that I'm special and I'm unique and that nothing's gonna change from the independent side. Yeah. What you guys have rolled out in the direction that we're going at Blue Spring, and I told Angela this as well, made me feel a heck of a lot better where we're going because I do think that that's a unique thing that nobody else has. Yeah. Somebody gets acquired by Merrill Lynch, yeah. we were approached. They wanted uh -huh. to buy our book of business. They're gonna put Rob and I in two cubicles. Yep. Okay, and, you, yeah. and change all of the investments and everything you're doing and do it our way. Yeah. You're not doing it. And we're also all about entrepreneurialism and intrapreneurialism too. Unfortunately, these businesses have become so valuable that it's hard for the next gen to be able to buy out yeah. successful businesses that are worth millions, tens of millions of dollars. But with the, this program, the, the Successor Academy, and with up and coming talent like we have here, or existing talent, these are the future leaders, these are the entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs, because we want to keep that, like what you just said, that whole entrepreneurial zest going, that creativity, that thinking out of the box, and the ability to run a business and make it about you and your relationships, but make it bigger than just you, which is what Ann was talking about. Yeah. But with that, I'm gonna have to wrap it up. Unfortunately, uh, we're out of time for this session of Blue Spring Out Loud, but I do want to thank our guests, Jared, Ann, Roger, so thank excited you. to have you. So much value you added today, and I am very grateful for your partnership, for your friendship, your contributions and for just the respect I have for the firms you run. With that, we're over and out. Thanks for, uh, thanks for being a, a guest at Blue Spring Out Loud. Thanks. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you.